This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, a corporate visions company. Through our platform, True Voice, we're bringing you automated win, loss, and no decision analysis at scale so you can find and fix seller blind spots in near real time. With automated customer feedback from every opportunity, you'll uncover what buyers truly care about when purchasing, what your competitors are doing to adapt, and how the experience with your sales reps impact win rates. With this new insight, your sellers automatically receive the right science-backed sales training from Corporate Visions based on their individual strengths and weaknesses. It's time to get more from your win-loss analysis. True Voice moves you from just-in-case to just-in-time coaching and training. Visit us at www.truevoice.io and start winning more today. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me, Ryan Queller, for another edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence, a corporate visions company. Go-to-market teams are made up of different functions that all work together, or, or at least they should be working together to increase win rates and revenue. But this is not always the case. In a time when you are fiercely competing for your buyer's attention and budget, you cannot an emphasis here, cannot afford to be disconnected within your go-to-market team. Today, we're going to dissect the disconnect from the perspective of sales enablement to find out where these functions do and maybe do not align, how you can identify this misalignment, and how do you actually fix the misalignment to create better experiences, both internally and even externally for your buyers and customers. This dissecting the, the disconnect with me today is Mr. Will Kimmel, RVP of North America at GTM Buddy. Will, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to dissect. Let's let's get, feel it. Like, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm back in like middle school. We got the frog laid out. You know? I was thinking the same thing. This that that horrible smell. Yeah. The, yeah. Right <laughs> all, all our listeners are now gagging, and I'm sorry. Please pull over if you're in the car. Okay. B- before we hop into our conversation, before let's put our scalpels down for a minute. Yes. Um, and, and we'll, you know, take a minute. Let's introduce yourself to, to us, to our listeners. Who, who is this person that is Will? Yeah, my, my name is Will. Like you mentioned, uh, RVP of North America, GTM buddy. Uh, I, I would class myself as a, uh, a serial SaaS startup seller. Uh, so all the S's. Uh, just a sucker for punishment is really what it stands for. Um, I, I like to build. I like, I like trying to identify a problem and then seeing if we can't solve the problem. And so, um, you know, been, been in startups my whole career, seen a bunch of really good stuff, seen probably even more bad stuff. Um, and now I'm, I'm working with a team on I, really helping solve this like sales enablement problem. How do we help the enablement folks really do their job effectively and giving them the place to do it? And so, that, that's me. I'm very passionate about this. I'm very passionate about solving this problem. Obviously, it's very personal to me. Um, and uh, I think I've seen a lot of really good stuff. And like I said, I've seen a lot of really good bad stuff that I think we can all learn from. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. Um, so good and bad, ugly, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, a theory about this question, but I want to hear your per- perspective. Yeah. What's the better teacher? The wins or the, you know, the, 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 I think it's the losses. I think it yeah. is the failures. I really do. For me, um, I prefer when somebody else does it and I can learn from them, um, candidly, you know, 
Um, but I, I think you have to be very observant to do that. And you have to take the time to identify maybe where did they go wrong? What, what did they do right? But in what moments did they, they miss that caused the bad outcome? Um, because to me, I think if you're always successful, you tend to not be really introspective. And I think when you fail, it causes you to be introspective. And I think that's the only time you can really grow, to be honest. I love that. I I think I totally agree with that. Um, And I would add that it's the gray space between the two. It's the juxtaposition between the win and the loss, right? The the fail and the the success where you do. And if you don't have that introspection, there's no, there's no learning. So uh, now that we're aligned and we have all that, let's pick up our scalpels and let's get into this dissection, shall we? Let's do it. Let's uh, do it. First, let's start with some groundwork, right? So let, let's lay the groundwork first. We we use the term go to market, like go to market all the time, right? So that this yeah. is a, a term that's kicked around a business. It's now a buzzword. Let, let's define it. Who's involved? What functions would, would you consider part of the go to market team? Yeah. I mean, it's in our name, goodness sake. Um, we, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. It's, it's, got to be product, it's got to be sales, and it's got to be marketing, right? And and real go-to-market is when those three are lockstep. Um, there's a lot of other small functions within those, obviously, bigger departments, if you will. But those are the three teams that you have to have um, if you're going to run you know, any sort of go-to-market strategy effectively. So do, do you like Western movies? And no isn't a totally acceptable answer. Of course, of okay. course. Do you have a favorite Western? I like old Westerns. Uh, Big John Wayne fan, actually. Um, My, my, uh, my grandfather had John Wayne pictures hanging over his bed when I was a kid. So I like grew up, the Earl was the guy, you know? And so, or the Duke. The Duke. So I, he was once an Earl, um, he became graduated into a Duke. Yeah, he did. He graduated. Yeah. Um, So honestly, I don't, I don't know if I have like a a particular favorite. Uh, I just like, I like the themes. I like you know, like the, the good guy, the bad guy, it's very clearly defined. I, I just, I love the genre. Yeah. So me too. Love, love Westerns. And yeah. like you grew up with my father and my grandfather really into that stuff. Right. So um, I have all kinds of Westerns, but when you said those three teams, uh, you know, sales, marketing, and product, uh, the, the theme song from the good, the bad, and the ugly immediately started playing through my head. You know, I can see Clint Eastwood off in the in the in the sunrise on the horizon. Yeah. He's got his poncho on. He's got that really thin cigar. He's riding with his eyes squinting and like, you know, it's playing off in the background. Wah, wah, yeah. wah. And everybody's just kind of pointing at each other like, OK, who's going to attack first? So this is that disconnect, I think, that we're going to get to. So let, let's get there. What have you seen within go to market teams, these three areas, uh, you know, and, and how are they functioning? Or maybe not functioning. I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you what I've seen is that they don't really talk about themselves as a team. Uh, it's interesting. The the three teams I just named tend to be very clearly defined separately. Uh, you, you don't find a lot of organizations. You, you have there's a newer uh, evolution where there is this the head of go to market function. You know that that's a newer function. Um, and in theory, that person should be managing sales marketing, product marketing, and product, right? In in kind of a, a succinct way. But what I find is that even if there is a head of go-to-market, those three functions still will work very separately and independently from one another. And that's that's where the disconnect begins. It's it's the lack of communication. It's the lack of 
um, you know, understanding and transparency. You know, you have you have product marketing working on their own initiatives. You have product who is getting secondhand feedback from the sales reps, and they're going, okay, well, I guess we'll just build the products to meet that need for this one client, which is a very bad strategy. Uh, and then you have sales who's going, I'm just trying to close the next deal. So they they all kind of have this conflicting agenda. Um, and I also think it has a lot to do with who do they report to? If there isn't a head of go-to-market, which isn't common practice yet, not all company, most companies do not have a head of go-to-market. Usually have a CRO and a CMO and then CPO potentially or CTO, whoever that product team rolls up to. Those are three entirely different functions, entirely different C-suites. So how, how do they speak to one another? How are they managing the expectations with one another, right? Marketing is being driven by marketing initiatives. CRO is driving the enablement initiatives. CTO is driving product vision. Do those ever speak to one another? Unfortunately, I don't see that they do often enough. At least in a, maybe a cohesive, productive, customer-centric yeah. manner. And, yeah. and I want to hear more. So, so why aren't they? Uh, I have several follow-up questions here. But first of all, uh, you, you started to go down this path around uh, initiatives and then being owned by their verticals. But why aren't they talking to each other? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I try to identify this on a daily basis because what I find is the most impactful enablement programs have each of those stakeholders involved. And unfortunately, they don't typically involve one another. And so what I've seen and what I, what I think happens, this is total speculation, but this oh. is, I've, I've, I've spoken to some other people about this and just said, what do you think? And a lot of them agree. Small organizations will hire product marketing before they hire an enablement function. It's pretty consistent. So product marketing comes in and they own product messaging. They own any product launches. They usually own competitive Intel, persona Intel. They do a lot of enablement work, a lot of enablement work. They spend a lot of time with the sales reps in those early days, identifying where do we fit in the, in the market? Who is our ICP? How do we message and brand to those people? They do a lot of that groundwork. Six months later, as the organization builds and grows and as the sales team gets bigger, you tend to find enablement will then start to get brought in as a strategic function there ends up being this conflict. It's almost like, and it, not, not intentionally by enablement, they end up stepping on product marketing's toes in a lot of places. And I, I think they, they find it difficult to find the common ground. Mm. And I think that's where the struggle really, really starts. Enablement is coming in after product marketing has laid the groundwork and going, okay, now this is my shot. This is what I'm going to do. And they end up doing some of the same functions, but separately and in almost in conflict. That, that's where I, I've seen a lot of the, the disconnect. It's crazy. sorry, sorry to interrupt. Please keep going. But I, I, I see this. I've seen this in so yeah. many organizations. So I love this. Keep going. Keep going. I was talking to a, a, someone in enablement yesterday. She was recently hired. Um, and, and I asked her, Okay, who has been running your enable? They have uh, about let's let's call it thirty-five reps, sales reps. I said, how, 
who's been running the enablement programs today? Like who's been onboarding these reps? Who's been coaching these reps? They've obviously, you've gotten to this point. Somebody's had to help. And she said, product marketing has owned it entirely. That product marketer rolls up to CMO. Okay. I said, okay, great. So what were you brought in to do? And she said, well, I was brought in to, to build out a formal enablement program. So onboarding, um, you know, building out kind of the tech stack for sales reps with a little bit more precision, um, helping with uh, like cold call coaching, more of that like traditional training and coaching, and then also helping to deliver the content to the reps. I said, okay. So in this program, are you bringing along product marketing? And she said, no. And I was really confused. Why? Why not? And she said, well, product marketing just doesn't really want to be involved. I've talked to them and they said, just let us know. We'll put, we'll, we'll send you the content. You can manage it, but you know, this is your program now kind of deal. I don't know if it's a point of pride. I don't know if it's again, like this feeling of getting your toes stepped on where it's like, I've been doing that for so long. And now you brought this person in to do my job. What am I supposed to do now? I feel like maybe in some scenarios, product marketing feels that way sometimes. Yeah. But the, I will tell you this, the programs that I've seen that are the most effective from an enablement and go-to-market strategy mm-hmm. are the ones where enablement and product marketing are speaking regularly where they've identified their roles. They've sat down and they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to meet regularly to make sure that these two things come together. And most importantly, that our consumers, the sellers, have access to it clearly. So so wisdom, like wisdom here is starting with definitions. You can't really go anywhere unless things are defined clearly. Um, So help me, you mentioned talking regularly. And then you went to, and, and you, you preface that with first, there needs to be definitions and then talking regularly. What are they talking about? I mean, what are these two teams coming together and actually talking? And I know it's going to vary from organization to organization, initiative to initiative, product, to product, whatever, but what are they really t- covering at a top level? It's usually, how are we sharing the gospel truth of our product or service to the buyer? What are, what, are, what do we want our sales reps to say? Okay. Product marketing usually drives that, that initiative, right? Because they're usually wordsmiths, right? They're much better with words than the sales reps. They're also typically talking about, okay, we're going to roll out new products. How are we going to launch those? And then how are we going to get our sales reps enabled on those new products to sell them effectively? So then it becomes kind of enablement's responsibility. Okay, Mr. 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 or Mrs. Enablement Rep or Manager, how are you going to take the information that product marketing is creating and curating and putting together and get it in your reps' hands and heads as quick and as easy as possible? So for them, their conversation should be very much tactical, right? It should less, it should be less strategy in a lot of ways. It should be more tactical. It should be more. How do we get this into the reps so that they can take action on it? Because what I what I find a lot is they'll hold these like lunch and learns. I think every every sales rep, when I say lunch and learn, is probably going to get a little nauseous. And roll their uh, QI oh, roll, Q nausea, all this stuff. Another right? lunch and learn, yeah, yeah. right? It's just, it's this concept of like, okay, if we just bring everybody in the same room and we tell them what this new product's going to be and how you should sell it 
then we should release them and they should be ready to go. Nope. They didn't Doesn't listen. Work. They didn't listen. The reps are like, oh, free lunch? Cool. That sounds good. All right, back to business. All right. They didn't listen to you. And so you have to identify where are our reps at currently? Where are their gaps and where are they at? And how can we meet them there? So that's enablement's function is to identify those gaps and figure out where we can meet them. And then enablement's function is to provide the messaging and the product strategy or pricing and packaging or competitive intel or whatever that kind of meaningful copy or message is to bring it to enablement to say, all right, put it here, put it here, put it here, put it everywhere you can. And let's continue to reinforce it over and over and over again. Yeah. So coming back to the top level question about the disconnect, mm -hmm. um, does this start at the top or is, I mean, where, where does this start inside the organization? You're, you're talking about frontline folks, frontline sales enablement or PMMs or, you know, whatever, whatever their function is, they're talking, but where in the organization should own the alignment? Like I said, I think typically product marketing rolls up to either product or marketing, right? So CMO or CPO, it's usually, it's usually CMO, right? Product marketing is usually under CMO. Enablement more and more and more is under revenue. So CRO. I think it has to start there. I think it has to start CMO, CRO, getting on the same page. You know, our CRO tends to be thinking holistically, but more bottom funnel, typically. Right? Yeah, because that's where the money is, right? Yeah. CMO, where are they thinking? They're usually thinking top of funnel, yeah. right? And so I think there has to be, look, they, they can't just always talk about this and only this, right? They have so many other responsibilities that they have to, to take care of and be aligned on. But there needs to be space set aside to discuss, look, how can we make sure that my team is supporting your team and vice versa? And let's, let's create that space, w whether it's identifying the rules and responsibilities, whether it's finding a solution that will help align both functions, whether it's creating a collaborative channel where they constantly collaborate, whatever that is, whatever it looks like within an, a given organization, there has to be consistency in it. You can't just say, okay, one of our, one of our company values is transparency or one of our company values is communication and then expect that because that's one of your company values, product marketing and sales enablement are just lockstep. It's not how it works, right? Especially in the remote environment, which we could we could definitely unpack that even further. But I think a remote environment makes it even more difficult. When product marketing is in California and sales enablement's in Texas, you gotta you gotta create the space. Okay. So there's a level, am I hearing you right when you say there's a level of myopia that is counterproductive mm -hmm. at the C level when they're too focused on their specific area, use the funnel as a visual aid for all of our listeners. Yeah. And if the CRO is too focused and only focused on the bottom of the, of the bottom of the funnel, CMO is only focused on the top of the funnel. Uh, you know, we, we create sharks and jets. We create Alabama and Auburn. Cause I know you're, you know, or Auburn right. and Georgia, let's say Alabama Alab or Auburn, Georgia, there it was better, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it, it creates that friction that, that diametrically opposition. So what's the answer? You know, where, where, what, what advice would we give? And I know we're jumping to the end of things. Yeah. 
but but you know what what's what's the advice that we should give to our C's to help them create the connection so that the 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 the, fra- the fissure the fracture doesn't permeate and te- tear the teams apart further the further they go south. Yeah, unfortunately, I I haven't figured it out. I really haven't. I I thought about this coming into this this um, session, and I you know I I have seen it done in so many different ways um, that I don't know if there's a universal truth or universal answer. I think it really is so dependent on the personnel and the organization. And and again, Mm -hmm. is it remote or not? And I think there's a bunch of factors. Um, How big is the sales org? What kind of products are you selling? I think that all matters as well. Um, I think the the advice though is you have to create the space first for product marketing, or whoever owns content, let's call it content marketing, and enablement to meet, it has to be weekly, at least has to be weekly, because it really is that important. It doesn't seem that important, unless you're a sales rep. Because your frontline reps are going, okay, I'm getting all this training. But where's the support for the training? Right? I I went to this seminar. And I remember 10% of what we talked about in that seminar. And now I'm about to jump on this cold call and I don't really remember what to say. We talked about it. I don't really remember how to position this thing or the competitive Intel. They just mentioned this competitor, but can't remember what landmines I should lay because it's buried in a sales deck somewhere that I saw an onboarding, right? So it's very, it's actually very important. It's critically important, but most people who aren't on the front lines don't see it, right? It's not a, it's, it's not blatant because it's, it, there's content in the library. It's fine. It's there. No, it's not. And so the space first has to be dedicated and you have to involve salespeople. I think your audience has to have a voice in what you're saying in these meetings. Okay, go. Let's, I want you to talk about why you got to include the salespeople. And I want to put the the cousin here, the customer experience people as well. I want you to layer, layer in those two teams for me. Why is that paramount that they're included in all this? Well, because they know what they need, right? And it's not, it's not that you want to create content for the loudest voice in the room. That's actually the opposite of what you want to do, right? You want to identify what across the board is working, what isn't working from a content standpoint or, you know, from an enablement standpoint, what is, what isn't. And then let's double down on the efforts that are, okay? And the only way to do that is to have the people who are consuming that enablement or that content, have them in the room to tell you what's working or not. You also have to have systems in place to identify what are our buyers engaging with or what are our customers as a CS? What are our customers looking for, right? And how do I give them more of that, right? And the only way to do that is to have those consumers in the room and to have a system in place to actually measure, right? If you if you have sales reps just ad hoc sharing content that they're creating on their G drive, their own personal G drive, which by the way happens a lot. Because, well, no, say it ain't so. Well, yeah, come right? on, man. Come on. Because they don't want to go looking for stuff, right? right? If if it takes them more than five minutes to go find something, they're just going to assume it doesn't exist. Oh, that's generous. Five minutes. That's generous. It is generous. Yeah. I've been that person. Yeah. So they'll either create it or they'll just use the same thing that they've had on their hard drive for the last five years, even though it's five years dated. And so if you if you were to just wait for a sales rep to raise their hand, you're just going to get kind of a lousy one-off reason to build an asset. But if you create a space where product marketing enablement 
are sitting in a room listening, not sitting in a room talking, listen. And you say, okay, what do you need? What have you been using? What has been working? What have you been using that isn't working? CS reps, what content are our customers asking for, right? We roll out this new product, this new feature set. Do you feel enabled enough to, to upsell them? If not, what do you need to, to help? That's where the conversation should start, right? It's not, hey, we'll ask for this case study on healthcare, so let's just build it because we don't know what else to build. That also happens a lot. And so that's where a lot of the disconnect comes into play too because you aren't involving your sales team and you're just you know, ad hoc building stuff for the loudest voice in the room. And then it becomes one after another. I, we talk about this a lot. It's like random acts of enablement, right? Okay, Instead pause. Of, okay hold on. We, you need to coin this term and you need a nickel every time anybody says it. Random <laughs> acts of enablement. Yeah. Is that, that's awesome. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, it, it is. totally is. Yeah. And that's not, it's not scalable. It's not helpful. It does nothing for the sales rep because that, that asset or resource may be used one time and then never used again. And nobody knows if it worked or not. And, and product marketing is going, well, we built it. And enablement's going, well, we delivered it. And sales reps going, well, I don't need that. I need something totally different. So they have to be all together. All so together. All, you know, all together, the team. Then I want to layer in one more um, group or cohort as yeah. part of this. Where does the voice of the customer fit in all of this? I mean, you're talking about needs of the salespeople. Where does the voice of the customer fit in all of this, all this mess? Yeah, I think it's front and center. Um, if you're, let's put it this way. If your sales org isn't buyer centric, then you should probably change that, right? So if your seller's voice doesn't sound like your customers, then your salespeople are probably not doing a good job. Okay, so that, that's baseline, right? Um, I, think, I think enablement is moving to buyer enablement in a lot of ways as well. You know, I talk about this a lot in my, my own kind of personal content. Buyers are now the sellers in so many organizations because they now own the control of the sales process. The buyer does. They have so much more information than they've ever had. There's also so many more stakeholders involved in a decision. There's layers and layers and layers. And rarely does a salesperson get the opportunity to speak directly to the deal signer and decision maker in one fatal swoop. Doesn't happen, right? So you have to enable your buyer, right? And so really a, a additional responsibility of enablement is that buyer enablement, right? And a part of that is enabling your sales reps to deliver that content to the buyer in a meaningful way, in an easy way to consume, and then in a way that they can turn around and sell internally, all right? And so in, in really any way you've, you cut it up, buyers are the main reason enablement and product marketing are in your business, right? You, your messaging is for them so that they can turn around and resell. It has to be easy to consume, has to be easy to, to turn around and again, resell internally. And your sales organization has to buy into that premise and make everything so consumable for the buyer that you're not overstepping or overreaching. 
you're you're really being helpful more than anything else. And I think that's very important. Okay. So I'm totally tracking here, 100% aligned. You've talked about, um, you know, as a, as a C-level in my own organization, the things that I think about are behavior change support. It, it, this is a chicken and the egg moment, kind of why, by the, by the way. Yeah. Behavior change, systems, policies, and processes and trainings, right? So without, without one, you don't have the other and vice versa. And often it, they're running in, in conjunction with each other. But what I'm hearing you say um, gives me a little bit of PTSD from previous organizations I've worked in. And that is where the sales training happens and the behaviors are yay. And then they leave and then they're okay. I'm back to my G drive, as you said, doing the things I've always done. Um, And it's like, no matter what we do uh, in in terms of training, if we don't have the ongoing support, if we don't have buy-in, if we don't have connective tissue, if we don't have all of this thing, all, all of these things focused and pointed on one singular spot. And that's our buyer and our customer. Yep. If this is not all totally and 100% focused on them, if we're in, ter- in, in fighting, if internally we have friction, it's, it's going to explode in front of the customer. Yep. So am I kind of tracking at what you're talking about here? 100%. Okay. 100%. So I want to go a little bit deeper and specifically about PMM and sales enablement, because this is, this is a, the way that you brought this to the front was brilliant, was genius and totally tangible and palpable for any of our listeners. So in your experience, um, you, you mentioned some of the priorities that might be competing. We've talked about what they might not be doing. What does good look like for these two? Mm. Let's get to that. What does good look like? for product marketing and sales enablement working together? Yeah. For me, it's it's this like theme of transparency. I, I, I think I can't overstate that. Um, I, you said something interesting, this like connective tissue. They, they have to have that together. Um, there has to be this kind of lockstep. And so what I've seen is when you roll out let's say a new enablement program, okay? You come in, say you're a new enabler. This is this is very um, timely because there's a lot of enablers that are stepping into new roles because of kind of, you know, the, the economic climate and a lot of rifts. And so enablers are stepping into new roles. You're stepping into this new role and you're being asked, okay, you have to build out a strategic priority in enablement. What are you going to do? Most of them will say, okay, I want to help reduce ramp time, okay? And I want to help the current reps we have close more business, okay? How do you do that, right? Training, coaching, and content, right? But where does the content come from? Usually from product marketing, right? And so when you start to think about these things holistically, you have to think about a system or a process that can not only identify where your content gaps are, right, but can also deliver the content where the reps are. I think this is this is a critical piece in, in all things enablement and PMM. If you guys have already identified where our content gaps are, where our training gaps are, and you're now in lockstep, ready to build it, you now have to meet the reps where they are. If you ask a rep to leave their workflow to come get some training, 
not going to work. Mm. It's not going to work. You have to figure out a way, which no plug on GTM buddy, but this is why we built GTM buddy. Absolutely to, a plug on G. I mean, that's, I mean, come yeah. on. Come yeah. On. This is why we built the system. You have to be able to bring that contextual information that that rep needs in that moment to where they're at in that moment, because the moment they leave that workspace, they've now shifted gears. And so what reps don't want to do is shift gears. That's why they keep using the asset on their hard drive, because they are solely focused on this deal in this moment, or solely focused on this call in this moment. And so you need to, you need to meet them there because otherwise asking them to leave, to go get some enablement, it's not going to work. Mm. So, so what I'm seeing that is working to, to answer your question directly is product marketing and enablement have identified where our content gaps are, where our training gaps are, and they're working as a collective unit on building the right resources and content and training and coaching and all those things for those gaps and then delivering those to the reps in their workflows. So, you know, right before I jump on a call, what's the information I need to know before this call? What's the competitive intel I need to know? What's the persona intel I need to know? What's the product related information I need to know based on what I'm selling? All of that stuff is critical. But if I have to go somewhere to find it before that call, I'm just not going to do it. And so that's that's usually where a lot of the, the disconnect, if you will, between enablement and sales happens. It's It's in the delivery part of it. You can have the best enablement program in the world, but if you're requiring your reps to meet you there and not meet them where they are, it's probably going to fail. So in uh, in the consulting days that I used to play in that we were talking about prior to this call, uh, we called there were two types of gaps that we would identify, not only, but these two specific types sure. that apply here. And that's the knowing gap and the doing gap. Mm-hmm. And what you've just talked about is, look, people, there's a lot of knowing gap, but really what we got here is an execution gap, a doing gap. So if we, we could have the best plan in the world, if we can't make it happen and easy, I heard the, I've heard you use the word easy now several times. We can't make it easy for the sales rep and also for the customer. The impact is going to be net zero, net zero, possibly net negative. hundred percent. Well, think about it. Uh, how many responsibilities does a sales rep have? A yeah. lot more yeah. than they ever have, right? Yeah. More than they ever have. Um, and then think about a, a buyer. We always forget, salespeople forget this. When you're going and trying to sell to a buyer, their job is not to buy your product. They are taking time out of their job to evaluate your product, right? So if you don't make it easy and you don't make it frictionless, good luck, right? Good luck. They have, they have so many other things to do. Now, if they've been tasked with a certain product or project and their project has a deadline and that deadline is coming up soon and you're on the short list, sure. But I mean, that is like one in a hundred chances you're going to find yourself in that scenario. We all want those, but that's not how today works in software sales. So instead, you have to figure out a way to interrupt their day, but do it in a way that it's easy for them and easy for you to present your message in a clear and crystal way. And, and so we, we forget that we are busy. We are busy, busy people. Your buyers are busy. The sellers are busy. And, and, if, and if you require a rep again or a buyer to leave what they're doing and go produce something else, it's 
going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Okay. So I've heard you talk in in no uncertain terms about the importance of uh, speaking, speaking to each other, uh, transparency, speaking to each other, alignment, communication, all that stuff. Um, How do we fix this disconnect? So if you were going to give some advice, Mm-hmm. Right. And, it, and this is coming full circle. I started, I asked this towards the beginning, how do we fix this? And I'm coming here full circle and, and I'm asking it twice because this is hard. This isn't easy, hard. right? There, there's no silver bullet and it's not simple. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're asking it twice to try and plant some seeds and give some, some thinking to our listeners. So from your perspective, how, what's another way that, you know, how do we fix the disconnect? How do we lean into this? It may be into the execution side. I don't know. Um, how do how do we fix the disconnect? Like you said, there's no silver bullet, but I think it, it has to be, we have to clearly define our responsibilities. We have to constantly communicate. I mean, I can't overstate that. I've said it a bunch of times, cannot overstate that. And then I think we have to have processes in place that we can lean on so we know that what we're doing has an output. You know, people talk, people, people are really renowned for talking a big talk, but then the execution part, to your point, doesn't always happen. But if we have processes in place, systems in place, where we know once I complete this task, this is where the output goes. And I know that once so-and-so completes their task, that's where their output goes. And the sales reps, that's where they go for their single source of truth. Then we know from an execution standpoint that the reps are getting everything that they need, right? And so it's, it's process, it's procedure, it's communication. There's a, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like you said, it's hard. It sounds great. Everything I'm saying sounds great, but it is very difficult. There's a reason most companies I talk to struggle with this. Mm. There's always conflicting voices. There's always conflicting projects. You always have the loud sales rep asking for stuff that you probably shouldn't build, but they won't shut up. So you build it, right? There's always these conflicting things that are happening around us. But if we can stick to, if we can build a a, a successful process and we've identified that this process works, stick to it and lean on it, then I think it it becomes second nature, right? Sales reps know where to go. They're not thinking about it. It's showing up to them where they're already at. Enablement's going, look, I have this. This is my responsibility. It's been clearly defined. I know how to coach my reps, you know, custom. We talk about customized coaching. You know, this rep needs this so I can focus my time and energy on that. Product marketing is is focused on the messaging and the product positioning and constantly evolving competitive intel. All that's happening, but no one feels like it's a task, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's second nature because it's, it's, this is our process and it works for us. You have to really lay that groundwork in order for it to succeed. Okay. And by the way, uh, enter, uh, what, what you just said was a novel idea, but enter this idea of the, to the rep level coaching to the rep level measurement. Um, and that's where not to plug CVI, but that's where corporate visions comes into play to the rep level, customized coaching all the way down the line. So that I I got it. Let's, let's wrap our conversation with this. Where should they start? If I'm a, if I'm somebody out there, let's say I'm a, I'm an executive, an RVP or an SVP or 
or, or, or somebody tasked with starting to fix the broken nature of our PMM sales enablement relationship. Let's use that. Yeah. yeah. What's maybe a, an advice that you would give to start? How do you start this? I would, uh, I would do an, an audit of everything that's already in the business, all of the collateral resources, content, everything that's been built to this point, I would audit it. I would do an, a, a full audit. Is, is this the best version of what our reps need in for this product or for this, you know, enablement program or for our onboarding practice? Start with an audit, identify, you're going to find a lot of fatty content that you don't want. Right. Or there's going to be stuff floating around on sales reps, hard drives that didn't even know existed. You need to get and identify those things so you can start to identify, okay, where do we need to go? Right. What's the direction we need to go? And then get on, get on the same page. Right. Where are we failing? This is, I mean, this is exactly like you said, this is CI. Where are we failing? Where are reps failing? So, we can address those gaps. Look, product marketing, enablement, sales reps, we're all incentivized for more revenue. Right? That's, all, that's what we're all here for. And so our, our main objective is to drive more business. Right? And so we first need to identify where are we failing to do that? And the best place to start is what's already in the business. Mm. Now you can't start, you can't start creating new concepts until you know what's already there. And so I, I think that's that's square one, square one. Get the people in a room and say, look, what do we have today? What does your enablement content look like today? Or what does our enablement content look like today? And let's start strategizing on where do we need to go? Um, and then from there, it's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's, it's systems. What's the next process or system to get us to that next level of maturity? Um, and it, it could be a, several different options, but it, they're all very dependent on the organization and who's in the business. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of this statement. How do you know where the hell to go if you don't know where you are? So that's exactly what you said. And that is fantastic starting, a fantastic starting place, fantastic advice to give somebody. Will, man, thank you for the time. Thank you for coming on the show and taking time out of your data. Impart the wisdom, drop a little wisdom bomb on our, on our listeners. Thank yeah, you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um, look, man, we're, we're still all figuring it out. That I think that's, that's the end of the day. It's like, you take away. Yeah. Got to give ourselves grace. We don't, we don't know all the answers. We're going to fail back to the previous conversation we had at the very beginning. You know, you learn more from your failure. If you're not failing, you're not trying. Oh, End of the day. Oh, oh, and some more, more truth bombs. Yeah, that's right. So thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. This was fun. And listeners, for more from our friends at GTM Buddy and from us here at Primary Intelligence, a corporate visions company, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.